I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, how's it going? For me, I'm floating in a limbo. Sort of knowing that I have impending doom with the losing my job. But also not really doing much about it in my first week. Just sort of soaking it in. And that's pretty much it. Heard there's a second wave of coronavirus coming, so that's cool. Cool, cool. And, uh, president got it. President went to the hospital and everything. It was given a ton of drugs. Was released. All hopped up on those drugs, saying some crazy stuff. And, uh, hasn't learned a single lesson. Uh, back at it. Back at telling everyone to stop being babies and don't worry about it. And then uh, ISIS comes out of nowhere saying they support uh, Donald Trump for president. And, uh, you know, he doesn't like that, but he also doesn't seem to care a whole heck of a lot. Everything's going crazy. Uh, I've just been sitting in the house watching uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor uh, with my daughter. And uh, just sitting around the house trying not to spend too much money. Though a new iPhone's coming out, and I'm sure I'll wind up snapping and buying one of those or something. It's, uh, you never learn your lesson. You can have a cancer scare, and as soon as you find out you're okay, you're relieved, and then you just go back being crabby about stuff. I'm sort of the same way with, oh, I lost my job, and, or I'm gonna lose my job. I should really buckle down and start being responsible. Oh, a new iPhone's gonna come out. Maybe I'll buy one of those. You never learn. And so, uh, tonight, I'm going to get together with uh, the guy who does my tattoos. He's someone I've known since college. He's a very nice man. He invited me over to have uh, a couple beers and homemade pretzels. So that'll be nice of him. Uh, that's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a sweet man. He's a sweet man. Uh, so I'll go do that for a while. So we'll see if I can read uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow from now until the time I have to leave. And we'll find out how close I get to being done. If not, I'll have to stop again like last time and then come back and finish it when I'm all giddy with pretzels and ham's beer, probably. So, otherwise, I've got nothing else exciting to tell. Uh, I've had to do a lot of reading for the last book of Twilight, which is horrible, uh, for the recording that Ben and I are going to do tomorrow. And take a lot of notes. Suddenly, I'm taking a lot of notes. I'm treating it like it's all serious. Uh, learning more about... Stephanie Meyer, and uh, finding that I sort of sympathize with her in a way. She's she's just happy that she's writing books, and she's just you know coming off as being glad that she's just able to write books and be famous and live the life of a famous writer. Uh, completely divorced from the realization that uh, she's not good at it, and that her story is weirdly about an abusive relationship, which isn't a good message. So I'm sitting here reading all this and having conflicted messages about Stephanie. Meyer. I spent too much time in the house. I'm in the house way too much, and I'm thinking and putting a lot of energy into the dumbest stuff. 
All right, let's read this story and go have pretzels and beer. So, uh, today's story was written by Washington Irving. Born in April 1783 and died November 28, 1859. He was an American short story writer, essayist, biographer, historian, diplomat of the early 19th uh, century. He's best known for his short stories, uh, Rip Van Winkle uh, and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, uh, both of which appear in his collection, The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon Gent. Uh, historical works include biographies of Oliver Goldsmith, uh, Muhammad, uh, which is an interesting twist, uh, good for him for branching out, and George Washington, as well as several histories of the 15th century Spain that dealt with subjects such as Al- Alhambra and Christopher Columbus and uh, the Moors. Ugh. Probably pretty racist, I'm sure. Irving served as an American ambassador to Spain uh, in the 1840s. Hmm. Irving was one of the first American writers to earn acclaim in Europe. And he encouraged other American authors, such as uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Herman Melville, and Edgar Allan Poe. He was also admired by some British writers, including Lord Byron, eh, Thomas Campbell, eh, Charles Dickens, all right, all right, all right, Francis Jeffrey, never heard of him, Walter Scott, okay. He advocated for writing as a legitimate profession and argued for stronger laws to protect American writers from copyright infringement. So with that, let's uh, dive into it. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving Found among the papers of the late Diedrich Knickerbocker The pleasing land of drowsy head it was, of dreams that wave before the half-shut eyes, and of gay castles in the clouds that pass, forever flushing round a summer sky, and the castle of indolence. In the bosom of one of these spacious coves which indent the eastern shore of the Hudson, at the broad expansion of the river, denominated by the ancient Dutch navigators, the Tepan Zee, and where they always prudently shortened sail and implored the protection of St. Nicholas when they crossed, there lies a small market town of rural, rural port, which by some is called Greensburg, uh, but which is more generally and properly known by the name of Terrytown. <laughs> His name was given, we are told, in the former days by the good housewives of the adjacent country, Uh, from the inverted propensity of their husbands to linger about the village tavern on market days. Now, be that as it may, I do not vouch for the fact, but merely avert it uh, for the sake of being uh, precise and authentic. Not far from the village, perhaps about eh, uh, two miles, there's a little valley, or rather lap of land, among high hills, which is one of the quietest places in the whole world. A small brook uh, glides through it, just murmur enough to lull one to repose. And the occasional whistle of a, of a quail, ah, or a tapping of a, a woodpecker, is a, almost the only sound that ever breaks in upon the uniform tranquility. Yeah, I recollect, 
Uh, when a stripling, uh, my first exploit in squirrel shooting, haha, was in a grove of tall walnut trees that shades one side of the valley, I wandered into it at uh, uh, noontime, when all nature is peculiarly quiet, and was startled by the roar of my own gun as it broke the Sabbath stillness around and uh, was prolonged and reverberated by angry echoes. If ever I should wish for a retreat, uh, whither I might steal from the world and its distractions and dream quietly away the remnant of a troubled life, I know of none more promising than this little valley. Burp. From the listless repose of the place and the peculiar character of its inhabitants, who are descendants from the original Dutch settlers, this sequestered glen has long been known by the name of Sleepy Hollow in all caps. And its rustic lads are called the Sleepy Hollow Boys uh, throughout all the neighboring country. A drowsy, dreamy influence seems to hang over the land and to pervade the very atmosphere. Now, some say that the place is uh, bewitched uh, by a high German doctor during the early days of the settlement. Others, an old Indian chief, uh, the prophet or wizard of his tribe, held his powwows there before the country was discovered by Master Hendrik Hudson. Certain it is, the place still continues under the sway of some uh, witching power that holds a spell uh, over the minds of the good people, causing them to walk in a continual reverie. They are given to all kinds of marvelous beliefs and are subject to uh, mm, trances uh, and visions and frequently see strange sights uh, and hear, hear music uh, and voices in the air. Uh, the whole neighborhood abounds with local tales, haunted spots, uh, and twilight superstitions. Uh, stars shoot, meteors glare oftener across the valley than uh, in any other part of the country. <laughs> and in the nightmare, uh, with her whole ninefold, uh, seems to make it the favorite scene of her gambles. The dominant spirit, however, uh, that haunts the enchanted region and seems to be commander-in-chief of all the powers of the air is the apparition of a figure on horseback uh, without, a, without a head. Oh, it's said by some to be the ghost of a Hessian trooper whose head had been uh, carried away uh, by a cannonball, weirdly enough, and in, a, in some nameless battle during the Revolutionary War, and who is ever and anon seen by the country folk hurrying along in the gloom of night as if on the wings of the wind. Uh, his haunts are not confined to the valley, but extend at times uh, to the adjacent roads, uh, and especially to the vicinity of the church at uh, no great distance. Indeed, certain of the most authentic historians of those parts who have been careful in collecting and collating from the floating facts concerning this specter allege that the body of the trooper, having been uh, buried in a churchyard, the ghost rides forth to the scene of battle in nightly quest of his head, and that the rushing speed, which he sometimes passes along the hollow like a midnight blast, ha ha is owing to his being belated and in a hurry to get back to the churchyard before daybreak. Such is the general purport of this legendary superstition, which has furnished materials for many a wild story in that region of shadows, and the specter is known at all uh, country firesides by the name of the Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow. That's remarkable that the visionary propensity I have mentioned is not confined to the native inhabitants of the valley, but is unconsciously imbibed by everyone who resides there for a time. However wide awake they may have been before they generated that sleepy region, they are sure, uh, in a little time, to inhale the witching influence of the air, 
and begin to grow imaginative, uh, to dream dreams, to see apparitions. I mentioned this peaceful spot uh, without possible love, for it is such a little retired Dutch valleys found here and there embosomed in the great state of New York that population, uh, manners, uh, and customs remain fixed. And while the great torrent of uh, migration and improvement, which is making such incessant changes in other parts of the rest of this country, sweeps by them unobserved, they're like those uh, little nooks of still water which border a rapid stream. Uh, there we may see the straw and the bubbling riding quietly at anchor or, or slowly revolving ah, in their mimic harbor, undisturbed by the rush of the passing current. Though uh, uh, many years have elapsed since I trod the drowsy shades of the sleepy hollow, uh, yet I question whether I should not still find the same trees and the same families vegetating in its sheltered bosom. In this... Uh, by place of nature, their abode in a remote period of American history, that is to say, some 30 years since, a worthy sight in the name of Ichabod Crane. We're finally getting to it. Oh, this book says it's going to be an hour and 36 minutes long. <laughs> uh, that's what you get when you get something from uh, Kindle. You have no idea how big it is until you start reading. And now it's already saying, hour and 36 minutes. So this is going to get broken up into two parts. I can tell you that already. No way I'm reading this whole thing today. In this by place of nature there, but I already read that. Ichabod Crane, who sojourned, or as he expressed it, tarried, in Sleepy Hollow for the purpose of instructing the children of the vicinity. He was a native of Connecticut, uh, a state which supplies the Union with pioneers for the mind as well as for the forest, and uh, sends forth yearly its legions of frontier woodmen and country schoolmasters. The cognomen of Crane was not uh, inapplicable uh, to his person. Cognomen of Crane? All right, whatever. Uh, he was tall but exceedingly lank. Uh, with narrow shoulders, weird, long arms, uh, and legs, hands that uh, dangled a mile out of his sleeves, well, that's unfortunate, feet that might have served for shovels, that's gross, and his whole frame uh, most loosely hung together. Uh, his head was small, uh, flat at the top, with, uh, with huge ears, and large green glassy eyes, and a long uh, snipe nose, so that it looked like a weathercock <laughs> perched upon his spindled neck to tell which way the wind blew. To see him striding along the profile of a hill on a windy day, with his clothes bagging and fluttering about him, one might have mistaken him for the genius of famine descending upon the earth, or some uh, scarecrow eloped from a cornfield. Uh, his schoolhouse was a low building of one large room, uh, really constructed of logs, and windows partly glazed and uh, partly patched with leaves of old copy books, is most ingeniously secured at vacant hours by a width twisted in the handle of the door and stakes set against the window shutters, so that though uh, a thief might get in with perfect ease, he would find some embarrassment on getting out. An idea most probably borrowed by the architect, Jost van Houten, from the mystery of, a, of an eel pot. All right. The schoolhouse stood in a rather lonely but pleasant situation just at the foot of the woody hill with a brook uh, running close by and a formidable birch tree growing at one end of it. From hence, the uh, low murmur of his pupils' voices conning over their lessons might be heard in a drowsy summer's day, uh, like the hum uh, of a beehive 
interrupted now and then by the authoritative voice of the master in the tone of menace or command or peradventure by the appalling sound of the birch as he urged some tardy loiterer along the flowery path of knowledge. Truth to say, he was a conscientious man and never bore in mind the golden maxim, spare the rod and spoil the child. Ichabod Crane's scholars certainly were not spoiled. I would not have uh, imagined, however, that he was one of those cruel potentates of the school who joy in the smart of their subjects. On the contrary, he administered justice with discrimination rather than severity, taking the burden off the backs of the weak and lying on those of the strong. Your mere puny stripling that winced at the least flourish of the rod was passed by with indulgence, but the claims of justice were satisfied by inflicting a double portion on some little tough, wrong-headed, broad-skirted Dutch urchin who skulked and swelled and grew dogged and sullen beneath the birch. All this he called, quote, doing his duty by their parents, unquote. And he never inflicted uh, a chastisement without following it by the assurance. So consolatory to the smarting urchin that, quote, he would remember it and thank him for it the longest day he had to live. And when school hours were over, oh, now it's going to get good. He was even the companion and playmate of the larger boys. Oh, that's not the direction I wanted to go in. And on holiday afternoons would convey some of the smaller ones home, who happened to have uh, pretty sisters, <laughs> or good housewives for mothers, hmm. Noted for the comforts of the cupboard. Indeed, it behooved him to keep on good terms with the pupils. Uh, the revenue arising from his school was small and would have been scarcely sufficient to furnish him with daily bread, for he was a huge feeder, uh, and though lank, had the dilating powers of an anaconda. But <laughs> that's, that's a weird visual imagery. But to help out his maintenance, uh, he was, according to country custom in those parts, boarded and lodged at a house of the farmers whose children he instructed. Uh, with these, he lived successively a week at a time, uh, thus going rounds of the neighborhood with all his worldly efforts tied up in a cotton handkerchief. That all this might not be too onerous on the purpose of his rustic patrons, who are apt to consider the costs of schooling a grievous burden. The schoolmasters, as mere drones, and had various ways of rendering himself both useful and agreeable, he assisted the farmers uh, occasionally in the lighter labors of their farms, Helped make hay, uh, mended the fences, uh, took the horses to water, uh, drove the cows from pasture, uh, and cut wood for the winter fire. He laid aside, too, all the dominant dignity and absolute sway with which he lorded it in his little empire, the school, and became wonderfully gentle and ingratiating. He found favor in the eyes of the mothers uh, by petting the children, uh, particularly the youngest, uh, and like the lion bold, which Wilhelm so magnanimously the lamb did hold. He would sit with a child on one knee and rock a cradle with his foot for whole hours together. In addition to other vocations, he was the singing master of the neighborhood and picked up many bright shillings by instructing the young folks in psalmody. Psalmody. What's psalmody? P-S-A-L-M-O-D-Y. The singing of psalms or similar sacred uh, canticles. Psalmade. All right, whatever. It was a matter of uh, no little vanity unto him on Sundays to take his station in front of the church gallery with a band of chosen singers, where, in his own mind, uh, he completely carried away the, palm, or the psalm <laughs> from the parson. 
Certainly it is, his voice resounded far above the rest of the congregation, and there are particular quavers still to be heard in the church, which may even be heard a half a mile off. Quite the opposite side of the mill pond, and on a still Sunday morning, which are said to be legitimately descended from the nose of Ichabod Crane. Thus by divers, little makeshifts in that ingenious way, which is commonly denominated by hook and by crook, the worthy pedagogy uh, got on tolerably enough, and was thought, uh, by all who understood nothing of the labor of Hedwig, to have a wonderfully easy life of it. How the schoolmaster is generally a man of some importance in the female circle of a rural neighborhood, being considered a, a kind of idle, uh, gentleman-like parsonage of a vastly superior taste and accomplishments to the rough country swains, and indeed inferior in learning only to the person. Parson. His appearance, therefore, is apt to occasion some little stir at the tea table of a farmhouse, and the addition of a supernumerary dish of cakes or sweetmeats, or peradventure in the parade of a silver teapot. Our man of letters, therefore, was particularly happy in the smiles of all the country damsels. How he would figure among them in the churchyard, yeah, between the services on Sundays, <laughs> gathering grapes for them, uh, for the wild vines that overran the surrounding trees, reciting for their amusement all the epitaphs of the tombstones. That seems weird. Well, how's that amusing? Or sauntering with a whole bevy of them along the banks of the adjacent mill pond. While the more bashful country bumpkins <laughs> hung sheepishly back, envying his superior elegance and address. From his half-internet life also was a kind of traveling gazette, carrying the whole budget of a local gossip from the house to house so that his appearance was always greeted with satisfaction. He was, uh, moreover, esteemed by the women as a man of great erudition, uh, for he had read several books quite through and was a perfect master of Cotton Mather's History of New England Witchcraft. Now, that's weird. In which, by the way, he most firmly and potently believed. He was, in fact, uh, an odd mixture of small shrewdness uh, and simple credulity. His appetite for the marvelous uh, and his powers of digesting it were equally extraordinary. And both had been increased by his residence in this spellbound region. No tale uh, was too gross uh, or monstrous for his capricious swallow. It was often his delight uh, after school was dismissed in the afternoon to stretch himself on the rich bed of clover bordering the little brook that whimpered by his schoolhouse, and there con over Mather's direful tales, until the gathering of dusk of evening made this printed page a mere mist before his eyes. Then as he wended his way by swamp and steam and awful woodland to the farmhouse where he happened to be quartered, every sound of nature at that witching hour fluttered his excited imagination, the moan of the whippoorwill from the hillside, the boating cry of the tree toad, the harbinger of storm. This is like from the Disney version of this, where they show him getting scared of all the little sounds, uh, which I'm only remembering now. I think I've seen this back in 1983, but I'm remembering the scene now. Uh, the dreary uh, hooting of a screech owl. Or the sudden, sudden rustling in a thicket of birds frightened from their roost. Uh, the fireflies, too, uh, which sparkled most vividly in the darkest places, now and then uh, startled him, as one of uncommon brightness would stream across his path, and if by chance a huge blockhead 
of a beetle came winging his blundering flight against her, the poor varlet was uh, ready to give up the ghost uh, with an idea that he was struck with a witch's token. His only resource on such occasions, either to drown thought or drive away evil spirits, was to sing psalm tunes and the good people of Sleepy Hollow. As they sat by their doors of the evening, were often filled with awe at hearing his nasal melody in linked sweetness long drawn out, floating from the distant hill or along the dusky road. Another of his sources of fearful pleasure was to pass along winter evenings with the old Dutch wives as they sat spitting by the fire uh, with a row of apples roasting and spluttering along the hearth and listen to their marvelous tales of ghosts and uh, goblins and uh, haunted fields and haunted brooks and haunted bridges and haunted houses, and particularly of the headless horseman or galloping hessian of the hollow. As they sometimes called him, he would delight them equally by his anecdotes of witchcraft and of the direful omens and portentous sights and sounds in the air which prevailed in the earlier times of Connecticut, uh, which would frighten them woefully with speculations uh, upon comets and shooting stars, and with the alarming fact uh, that the world did absolutely turn round and that they were half the time topsy-turvy. Hmm. People dispute that now. Now let's move on. But if there is a pleasure in all this, while snugly cuddling in the chimney corner of a chamber, there was all of ruddy glow in the crackling wood fire, and where, of course, no specter dared to show its face, it was dearly purchased by the terrors of the subsequent walk homewards. What fearful shapes and shadows beset his path. Oh, amidst the dim and ghastly glare of the snowy night, exclamation point, uh, with, with what wistful look uh, did the eye, every trembling trembling ray of light streaming across the waste fields from some distant window, exclamation point. How often was he appalled by some shrub covered with snow, which, like a sheeted specter, beset his very path, exclamation point. How often did he shrink with curdling awe at the sound of his own steps on the frosty crust beneath his feet, uh, semicolon, and dread to look over his shoulder, comma, lest he should behold some uncouth being trampling close behind him, exclamation point. Uh, and how often was he thrown into complete dismay by some rushing blast, now howling among the trees, in the idea that it was galloping Hessian on one of his uh, nightly scourings? Exclamation point. All these, however, were mere terrors of the night, phantoms of the mind that walk in darkness. And though he had seen many specters in his time, uh, had been more than once beset by Satan in diver shapes. In his uh, lonely preambulations, yet daylight put an end to all these evils and would have passed a pleasant life of it, uh, in despite of the devil and all his works. If his path had not been crossed by a being that causes more perplexity to mortal man than ghosts, goblins, and the whole race of witches put together, and that was, dash, a woman. Among the musical disciples who assembled one evening each week, to receive his instructions in psalmody, I'm never going to figure that one out, was Katrina Van Tassel, ah, the daughter and only child of a substantial Dutch farmer. Oh, she was a blooming lass, a fresh 18, ooh, plump, mmm, as a partridge, ripe and melting and rosy, this is getting weird, rosy-cheeked as one of her father's peaches, yeah, this is getting weird, and universally famed, uh, not merely for her beauty, but her vast expectations. She was, withal, a little of a coquette, mm-hmm, <laughs> 
Let's look up what coquette means. I've heard that before, but I'm not exactly sure. It's a woman who flirts, <laughs> as might be perceived even in her dress, which was a mixture of ancient and modern fashions. As most suited to set off her alarms, uh, she wore the ornaments of pure yellow gold, which her great-grandmother had brought over from Sardom, the tempting stomacher of the olden time, and withal a provokingly short petticoat to display the prettiest foot and ankle in the country round. Ugh, is this writer got like a foot fetish or something? I'm just not into feet. I'm not a foot guy. I think feet are gross and toes look weird. Ichabod Crane had a soft and foolish heart toward the sex. It is not to be wondered at uh, so tempting a morsel soon found favor in his eyes. This is weird how he keeps describing her as food. More especially after he had visited her in the paternal mansion. Old Baltus Van Tassel was a perfect picture of a thriving, uh, contented, liberal-hearted farmer. He seldom, it is true, sent either his eyes or his thoughts beyond the boundaries of his own farm, but within those everything was snug, uh, happy, well-conditioned. He was satisfied with his wealth, but not proud of it, and piqued himself upon the hearty abundance rather than the style in which he lived. His stronghold was situated on the banks of the Hudson in one of those uh, green-sheltered fertile nooks in which the Dutch farmers are so fond of nestling. A great elm tree spread its broad branches over it at the foot of which bubbled up a spring of the softest and sweetest water uh, in a little well formed of a barrel and then stole sparkling away through the grass uh, to a neighboring brook that babbled along among elders and dwarf willows. Hard by the farmhouse was a vast barn that might have been served for a church, every window and crevice of which seemed bursting forth with the treasures of the farm. Now the flail was busily resounding from within it the morning to night. Swallows uh, and martins skimmed, twittering about the eaves, and rows of pigeons, oh, rows of pigeons, someone uh, with one eye turned up as if watching the weather, some with their uh, heads under their wings or buried in their bosoms and others swelling and cooing and bowing about their dames, were enjoying the sunshine on the roof. Ah, sleek, unwieldy porkers were grunting in the repose of the abundance of their pens, uh, from when sallied forth now and then uh, troops of sucking pigs, as if to snuff the air. A stately squadron of snowy geese uh, were riding in an adjoining pond, convoying, convoying, well, I said that wrong, whole fleets of ducks. Uh, regiments of turkeys were gobbling through the farmyard, and guinea fowls, I thought they were going to say guinea pigs, which would have been adorable, fretting about like ill-tempered housewives, <laughs> with their peevish, discontented cry. Before the barn uh, strutted the gallant cock, <laughs> that pattern of a husband, a warrior, and a fine gentleman, clapping his burnished wings and crowing in the pride of the gladness of his heart, sometimes uh, tearing up the earth with his feet, and generously calling his ever-hungry family of wives and children to enjoy the rich morsel which he had discovered. The pedagogue's mouth watered as he looked upon of all those living things, his sumptuous promise of luxurious winter fare. That's weird to stare at a living thing and start having your mouth water. In his devouring mind's eye, he pictured to himself every roasting pig running about with a pudding in its belly and an apple in its mouth. Uh, the pigeons were snugly put to bed in a comfortable pie and tucked in with a coverlet of crust. The geese were swimming in their own gravy and the ducks pairing cozily in dishes uh, like snug married couples with a decent competency of onion sauce. 
And the porkers? I saw carved out of the future a sleek side of bacon and juicy, relishing ham. Not a turkey, but he beheld daintily trussed up, with its gizzard under its wing and, peradventure, a necklace of savory sausages. Oops, I started burping while talking. I've been drinking kombucha. And this is just the price you pay when you listen to this podcast. A necklace of savory sausages, and even bright uh, Chantelier himself lay sprawling on his back in a side dish with uplifted claws, as if craving that quarter which his chivalrous spirit disdained to ask while living. As the enraptured Ichabod fancied all this, and as he rolled his great green eyes over the fat meadowlands, the rich fields of wheat, uh... Uh, the rye, the buckwheat, the Indian corn, the orchards burdened with uh, ruddy fruit, which surrounded the warm tenement of Van Tassel. His heart yearned after the damsel who was to inherit these domains, and his imagination expanded with the idea. Oh, how they might be readily turned into cash, and the money invested in immense tracts of wild land, and shingle palaces in the wilderness. Nay, his busy fancy already realized his hopes and presented to him the booming Katrina, with a whole family of children mounted on top of a wagon loaded with household trumpery uh, with pots and kettles dangling beneath and held and beheld himself uh, bestriding a pace mare with a colt at her heels, setting out for Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, or Lord knows where. When he entered the house, the conquest of his heart was complete. It was one of those spacious farmhouses with high-ridged but lowly sloping roofs. Built in the style handed down from the first Dutch settlers, the low projecting eaves forming a piazza along the front, uh, capable of being closed up in bad weather. Under this were hung flails, uh, harness, various utensils of husbandry, and nets for fishing in the neighboring river. Benches were built along the sides for summer use, and a great spinning wheel at one end, uh, and a churn at the other show the various uses to which this important porch might be devoted. From this piazza, the wandering Ichabod entered the hall, which formed the center of the mansion, and the place of usual residence. Here rose a resplendent pewter, ranged on a long dresser, dazzled his eyes. In one corner stood a huge bag of wool, ready to be spun. In another, a quantity of Lindsay Woolsey just from the loom. Ears of Indian corn, strings of dried apples and peaches, hung in gay festoons along the walls, mingled uh, with the god of red peppers, and a door left ajar, gave him a peep into the best parlor, where the claw-footed chairs and dark mahogany tables shone like mirrors. Uh, Andrines and their accompanying shovel and tongs glistened from their convert of asparagus tops. Mark oranges and conch shells decorated the mantelpiece. Uh, strings of various colored birds' eggs was suspended above it, and a great ostrich egg was hung from the center of the room, and a corner cupboard, uh, knowingly left open, displayed immense treasures of old silver and well-mended china. From the moment Ichabod laid his eyes upon these regions of delight, the peace of his mind was at an end, and his only study was how to gain the affections of the peerless daughter of Van Tassel. In this enterprise, however, he had more real difficulties, and generally fell into the lot of a knight-errant of yore, who seldom had anything but giants and chanters and fairy dragons and such-like easily conquered adversaries to contend with and had to uh, make his way merely through the gates of iron and brass and walls of adamant to the castle keep where the lady of his heart was confined, all which he achieved as easily as a man would carve his way through the center of a Christmas pie 
And then the lady gave him her hand as a matter of course. Ichabod, on the contrary, had to win his way to the heart of the countryside coquette, uh, Bassette, with a labyrinth of whims and caprices which were forever presenting new difficulties and impediments. And he had to encounter a host of fearful adversaries, of real flesh and blood, numerous rustic admirers who beset every portal uh, to her heart, keeping a watchful and angry eye upon each other, but ready to fly out in a common cause against a new competitor. Well, among these, uh, the most formidable was a burly, roaring, the uh, roaring, roistering blade of a man named Abraham, or according to the Dutch abbreviation, Brom. Van Brunt, the hero of the country round, which rang with his feats of strength and hardihood. He was broad-shouldered, oh, and double-jointed. <laughs> Is that a, that's a bonus? Like he can bend his fingers backwards and everyone's like, whoa. With short curly hair, uh, black hair, and a, and a bluff, not yet unpleasant countenance. Having a mingled air of fun and arrogance from his Herculean frame and great powers of limb, he had received the nickname Brombones, by which he was universally known. He was famed for great knowledge and skill in horsemanship, uh, being as dexterous on a horseback as a tartar. He was foremost at all races and cockfights, and with the ascendancy which bodily strength always acquires in rustic life, uh, was the umpire in all disputes, setting his hat on one side and giving his decisions with an air of tone that admitted no gainsay or appeal. Uh, he's always ready for either a fight or a frolic, but had more mischief than ill will in his composition, and with all his overbearing roughness, there was a strong dash of waggish good humor at bottom. He had three or four uh, boon companions who regarded him as their model, and at the head of whom he scoured the country attending every scene or feud or merriment for miles around. In cold weather, I was distinguished by a, by a fur cap uh, surmounted with a flaunting foxtail. That's ah, pretty cool. And when the folks at a country gathering decried his well-known crest at a distance, whisking about among a squad of hard riders, they always stood by for a squall. Sometimes his crew would be heard dashing along past the farmhouses at midnight <laughs> with a whoop and a halloo <laughs> and a, a troop of Don Cossacks. Uh, and the old dames, startled out of their sleep, would listen for a moment, tell the hurry scurry it clattered by, and then exclaim, Hey, uh, uh, there goes Brom Bones uh, and his gang. The neighbors looked upon him with a mixture of awe, admiration, and goodwill. And when any uh, madcap prank or rustic brawl occurred in the vicinity, always took the, shook their heads and warned it. Brom Bones uh, was at the bottom of it. This rentable hero uh, had for some time singled out the blooming Katrina for the object of his uh, uncouth gallantries, and uh, through his armorous toyings, bleh, were something like a gentle caresses and endearments of a, uh, of a bear. Yet it was whispered that she did not altogether discourage his hopes. Certain it is, his advances were signals for rival candidates to retire, who felt no inclination to cross a lion in his armors. Insomuch that when his horse was seen tied to Van Tassel's piling on a Saturday, Sunday night, a sure sign that his master was courting, or as it was termed, sparking, uh, within, all other suitors passed by in despair and carried the war into other quarters. Such 
was the formidable rival with whom Ichabod Crane had to contend, and considering all things, a stouter man than he would have shrunk from the competition, and a wiser man would have despaired. He had, however, a happy mixture of pliability and perseverance in his nature. He was in form and spirit uh, like a supple jack, uh, yielding but tough. Though he bent, he never broke, and though he bowed beneath the slightest pressure, yet the moment it was away, a jerk, exclamation point, as he was erect and carried his head as high as ever. Uh, To have taken the field openly against his rival would have been madness, for he was not a man to be thwarted in his armor, any more than uh, that stormy lover, Achilles. Ichabod, therefore, made his advances in a quiet and gently insinuating manner, and under cover of his character of singing master. He made frequent visits at the farmhouse, uh, not that he had anything to apprehend from the meddlesome interference of his parents, uh, which is so often a stumbling block uh, to the path of, of uh, lovers. Balt Van Tassel was an easy, indulgent soul. He loved his daughter better than, than his pipe, and, uh, like a reasonable man, and an excellent father, uh, let her have her way in everything. This notable little wife, too, had enough to do uh, to attend to her housekeeping and manage her poultry, for as she was sagely observed, ducks and geese are foolish things. Uh, must be looked after. Ah, but girls can take care of themselves. Thus, while the busty dame bustled about the house, or uh, plied her spinning wheel at one end of the piazza, honest Balt would sit smoking his evening pipe at the other watching the achievements of a little a little wooden warrior who, armed with a sword in each hand, was most valiantly fighting the wind on the pinnacle of the barn. In the meantime, uh, Ichabod would carry on his suit with the daughter by the side of the spring under the great elm, or uh, sauntering along in the twilight, that hour so favorable to the lover's eloquence. Yeah, I profess not to know how women's hearts are wooed in one. Uh, to me, they have always been masters of riddle uh-huh, and admiration. Some seem uh, to have but one vulnerable point or, or door of access, while others have a, oh, a thousand avenues that may be captured in a thousand different ways. That's a great triumph of skill to gain the former, but it's still greater proof of generalship to maintain possession of the latter, for the man must battle for his fortress at every door and window. Uh, he who wins a, a thousand common hearts is therefore entitled to some renown, uh, but he who keeps undisputed sway over the heart of a coquette is indeed a hero. Certain it is, uh, this is not the case with the redoubtable Brom Bones. And from the moment Ichabod Crane made his advances, the interests of the former evidently declined. Uh, his horse was no longer seen tied to the palings on Sunday nights. And a deadly feud gradually arose between him and the preceptor of Sleepy Hollow. That whole thing about women and how to get access to their hearts, uh, I guess maybe I'm becoming kind of dull to it from reading these kind of books, seems both cutesy and horrible. That women are just these weird sort of animals you have to figure out how to trick to get into the cage. It is odd. Brom, who had a degree, does it even involve just like getting to know her? <laughs> finding out if you have anything in common with each other. Brom, who had a degree of rough chivalry in his nature, would fain have carried matters to open warfare and have settled their pretensions to the lady according to the mode of those uh, most concise and simple reasoners, the knights errant of yore, by single combat. 
Oh, but Ichabod was too conscious of the superior might of his adversary to enter the, the lists against him. He had overheard a, a boast of Bones that he would double the schoolmaster up and lay him on a shelf of his own schoolhouse. That he was too wary to give him uh, an opportunity. There was uh, something extremely provoking in this obstinately pacific system. It left Brom no alternative but to draw upon the funds of rustic waggery in his disposition to play off boorish practical jokes upon his rival. Oh, Ichabod became the object of whimsical persecution uh, to Bones and his gang of rough riders. Oh, they harried his hitherto peaceful domains, uh, smoked out his singing school by stopping up the chimney, broke into the schoolhouse at night uh, in spite of its formidable fastenings of wide and window stakes, and turned everything topsy-turvy so that the poor schoolmaster began to think all the witches in the country held their meetings there. But what was still more annoying, Brom took all opportunities of turning him into ridicule in the presence of his mistress. It had a scoundrel dog whom he taught to whine in the most ludicrous manner. It uh, introduced, as a rival of Ichabod's, to instructor in psalmody. I don't know if I'm ever going to say that right. In this way, matters went on uh, for some time without producing any material effect on the relative situations of the contending powers. Uh, on a fine autumnal afternoon, Ichabod, in a pensive mood, sat enthroned on the lofty school stool from whence he usually watched all the concerns of his little literary realm. In his hand, he swayed a furrow, that scepter of despotic power, the, the birch of justice, reposed on three nails behind the throne. A uh, constant terror to evildoers, while on the desk before him might He's seen sundry contraband articles and prohibited weapons uh, detected upon the persons of idle urchins, such as half-munched apples, uh, pop guns, uh, whirly gigs, uh, fly cages, and whole legions of rampant little paper gamecocks. Apparently there had been some appalling act of justice recently inflicted for his... Scholars were all busily intent upon their books or slyly whispering behind them with one eye kept upon the master and a kind of buzzing stillness uh, reigned throughout the schoolroom. It was suddenly interrupted by the appearance of a uh, N-word in toe-cloth jacket and trousers. Ooh, I didn't expect to see that. It's not the really bad N-word, it's the very closely bad N-word. A round, crowed fragment of hat, like a cap of mercury, and mounted on the back of a ragged, wild, half-broken colt, which he managed uh, with a rope by way of halter. He came clattering up the school door with an invitation to Ichabod to attend a merry-making or quilting frolic uh, to be held the evening at the mine here of Antassels, and having delivered his message with that of an air of importance, uh, the effort at fine language, which a N-word is apt to display on petty embassies of the kind. Uh, boy. He dashed over the brook and was seen scampering away up the hollow, full of the importance and hurry of his mission. All was now bustle and hubbub in the late quiet schoolroom. The scholars were hurried through their lessons without stopping at trifles. Uh, those who were nimble skipped over half with impunity, and those who were tardy had smart application now and then in the rear to quicken their speed to help them over a, a tall word. Books were flung aside without being put away on the shelves, and inkstands were overturned, benches thrown down, and the, the whole school was turned loose an hour before the usual time, bursting forth ah, like a legion of young imps. Yelping, racketing, 
uh, about in the green joy of their early emancipation. The gal at Ichabod now spent at least a, an extra half hour uh, at his toilet, brushing, gross, oh, his teeth, and furbishing up his best, that only suit of rusty black and arranging his locks in a bit of broken looking glass that hung in a schoolhouse, that he might make his appearance uh, before his mistress in the true style of a cavalier. Ah, he borrowed a horse from the farmer with whom, whom he domiciled a, a cloric old Dutchman of the name Hans van Ripper, and thus gallantly mounted, burp, issued forth uh, like a knight errant in quest of adventures. But it is, meet I should, in the true spirit of romantic story, give some account of the looks and equipments of my hero and his state. Ah, the animal he bestrode was a, a broken-down plow horse uh, that had outlived almost everything uh, but its viciousness. He was gaunt and shagged uh, with an ew neck and a head like a hammer. Hey, this is like the cartoon I remember watching from the Disney cartoon. Uh, his rusty mane and tail were tangled and knotted with burrs. One eye had lost its pupil. Gross. It was glaring and spectral. Gross. But the other had the gleam of genuine devil in it. Still, he must have had fire and metal in his day, if we may judge from the name he bore of Gunpowder. Oh, he had, in fact, been a favorite steed of the masters, the cleric Van Ripper, who was a furious rider and had infused, very probably, some of his own spirit into the animal. For, old and broken down as he looked, uh, there was more of the lurking devil in him than any young frilly in the country. Seems as good a place as any to take a break. Uh, what have we learned so far in this story? Uh, sniveling hubris. Ichabod is not an attractive man. Uh, he doesn't offer much by way of, uh, to the society except for teaching the students and then just living off their parents. And he's, uh, kind of weird in how he gossips with all the uh, house moms and stuff, and then lusts after their daughters in a weird food kind of way. He keeps associating them with supple foods and, and whatnot. Kind of gross, kind of weird. Uh, and then sits and looks at living animals and, oh, he just wants to eat them. So Ichabod's kind of a creepy guy. I'm not really taking sides with him. I don't uh, feel that I really can identify with him or root for him. If anything, Brahm... He's just a, he's a loud, brash person. Oh, he likes to whoop it up and party, but he sounds kind-hearted. He doesn't sound like he's looking at people's daughters like they're food, or staring at their pigs with his mouth watering. For some reason, I guess I side with that more. So I guess I'm rooting for Brown. I already know how the story ends, but uh, for those of you who don't, for some weird reason, oh, let's just see where this goes. So I got to go in 10 minutes. Uh, thanks for listening. And I will uh, probably make another recording very, very soon. Because I didn't know that this was going to be a, a two-parter. I was kind of hoping it'd be a one-parter. So now I got to make double the recording to wrap this dang thing up. All right, bye.